Welcome to Explain to Shane. I'm your host, Shane Tews at the American Enterprise Institute. On this podcast, I interview tech industry experts to explain how the apps, services, and structures of today's information technology system work and how they shape our social and economic life. Cell towers are a part of the infrastructure that enables wireless signals across America. The work that men and women do to build and maintain these towers are part of the key infrastructure built out across the United States. That'll be an important part of the infrastructure plan to enhance broadband networks throughout a massive build-out in both unserved and underserved areas in each state. There are many complex issues in the telecommunications space right now around the FCC spectrum auctions that have increased focus on investment in building next-generation networks, also known as 5G. How do these issues play out in the physical infrastructure side of the telecommunications industry, including the interagency battles that are now hamstringing this process within the industry and their partners to help build and maintain the networks that make this next generation become a reality? What does broadband spending, spectrum auctions, and potential delays to 5G mean for tower climbers? Their technicians, the engineers, and the people who operate the physical components need to know a sense of time. Today's guest is Todd Sluckaway. Todd is president and CEO of NATE, the Communications Infrastructure Contractors Association. NATE provides overall leadership and vision working in concert with the association staff, board of directors, volunteer standing committees, and over a thousand member companies to educate them on federal, state, and local regulatory legislative issues they face. They also provide education and training to ensure safety standards and practices within the industry. Previously, Todd served as both a South Dakota state representative and a senator. Todd joins the podcast today to discuss Nate's membership and navigating today's telecommunications policy issues and are working on providing the connectivity we need for the next generation of our country's networks. Todd, welcome to Explain to Shane. You are the president and CEO of Nate, a communications infrastructure contracting association. So tell me about the work that you are doing at Nate and the policy issues that you have on your radar screen. You bet, Shane. It's a pleasure to join your podcast today. Uh, As president and CEO of Nate, uh, I work with our members, which include a lineup of 1,040 member companies from across the nation. We have members in all 50 states. Uh, Our primary uh, membership group are the contractor firms that deploy all the, the wireless infrastructure, the networks in in the United States. But the nice thing about Nate is we have a very diverse uh, membership group. So we have uh, associate member categories. We have the wireless carriers, the tower owners, engineering firms, training companies, public safety entities, educational institutions, technology-based companies. So we kind of run the gamut across the wireless ecosystem. And it gives us kind of a good lens uh, chain in terms of the policy that we, we are involved in as an association which really runs the gamut, everything from workforce development to spectrum access to coverage maps and mapping, tower safety issues, uh, unmanned aerial systems is a big focal point for our industry, uh, network security supply chain, and, and most of these contractor firms are small businesses, so we weigh in quite frequently on uh, issues that impact small businesses. So very uh, diverse uh, policy arenas that we work in every day. So um, I know that everybody's excited about 
5G or the fifth generation of wireless. Give us an idea where you guys fit in that space, because I realize a lot of 5G is about much more tight, close uh, proximity equipment, but you are a key to everything that has to do with the you know wireless in general and where we are headed in the future. So lay that out for me. You bet. Uh, so Nate members, the contractor members that we represent have really been on the front lines of deployment, chain every generation of wireless. Um, and 5G is no exception. Uh, our members right now are diligently deploying 5G networks, you know, which was really an urban play initially. Now it's kind of sub- moving to suburban areas. And so they've they've been on the front lines of that deployment cycle. And really what it's done for Nate is uh, we create a lot of the standards and training resources for, for the industry. So we've had to develop more uh, 5G specific training resources, Shane. And when, when I say that, I mean, you know, a lot of the work now is being done in bucket trucks. You're, these these crews are working in right-of-ways, they're working on rooftops, they're working down in downtown corridors where, where they're deploying uh, the 5G RRU units on uh, street furniture, so street lights. So it's really, it's really uh, forced us to evolve as an association. And last year, we actually got a Department of Labor training grant where we we used the funding to create a, a nationwide program for 5G small cell deployment training. So it's forced us to evolve from a resource perspective. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's keeping our members busy for sure. Well, I imagine there's so much money with the broad band deployment that's going on right now. We're all still trying to account for it. Like, you know, like the Build Back Better didn't pass, but it's still, there's so much money in this space. So I hope to see that you guys, and definitely training, I imagine that's that's a huge asset for you. Um, but also just the whole idea of, you know, as we're looking at the way the wireless uh, connectivity and broadband works, you know, there was this whole push at the very beginning of this administration that they were about everything being wired. And the more you try to explain fixed wireless and how many more people you can get to with a fixed wireless, you may eventually get the, you know, to that house. But I know you're from South Dakota, I'm from Nebraska. And, you know, there's just a lot of space in between that. That doesn't mean they shouldn't have Wi-Fi capability or wireless capability on what they're doing. So um, I think that's, I, I hope that you guys are getting a lot of opportunity with the money that's there and Department of labor. And I don't know if you're going to get into the Department of Commerce bucket, but, um, you know, I would wish you a lot of luck on that. I hope that that's uh, in your future. Yeah. And we're tracking that very closely. Uh, we can get into that a little bit more as we go here, Shane, because, you know, we, we've joined kind of a coalition of other organizations that, you know, we want to make sure that 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 uh, infrastructure law that passed, you know, which includes forty two and a half billion that, that the NTIA will have oversight over that will go to the states, we want to make sure that that funding remains technology neutral. And uh, it's very important that that those uh, companies out there who have customers in the fixed wireless space um, and that wireless uh, gets a part of that funding. So we're going to be watching that closely here as it goes through the process. Getting back to your 5G question, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the FCC's leadership in in modernizing wireless infrastructure siting and it really dates back to 2018 and it was led by commissioner brendan carr uh in march of 2018 they streamlined the environmental and historic review process and and then in later that year in september 
they streamlined state and local reviews. And what that did was really help provide the fuel to scale 5G in this country, took away a lot of the red tape that existed. Because when you have contractors that we represent, they can't deploy, they can't build, they can't maintain uh, infrastructure and, and the related networks unless they get the green light. So it really it really streamlined things. And what it did is it created more clarity among the, the, the shot clocks that were imposed on local jurisdictions to approve, approve the infrastructure. It, it created some caps on, on fee structures that were, that were being imposed. And it was really a, a, a two instrumental efforts that fueled uh, the start of, of letting s- small cells and specifically 5G start to scale. Well, it, you, it's also in the crux of two of my favorite things, which is infrastructure. I've always been fascinated by it and supply chain management. And this recent, call it a kerfuffle, uh, with the FAA and the FCC that, you know, we thought they were going to be able to deploy uh, C-band starting in December and the push to now, you know, the wireless carriers agreeing to put a hold on that until January. I have been trying to explain that to people that these are subcontractors that are out there. You have to contract, you know, Verizon and AT&T and, and whoever else, you know, is in this game is going, has to have the bucket trucks, as you mentioned, lined up. The equipment has to be ready to go on those trucks. And so there, there's a really, you know, and there's, and the other part is the, the lack of understanding of the venture capital money that went into this to get the $80 billion that they could go to get the C-band spectrum into place to be able to implement this. So there's a lot of cards that have to get into, you know, in the right sink there. So how do you guys handle this when Washington seems to kind of like put a halt to something that seems like it was flowing so nicely? Yeah, that has been a frustrating issue to follow. And Nate actually weighed in with, with a coalition led by CTIA, Shane, recently. We believe the FCC has the experts, the, the spectrum expertise, the engineers. They studied that issue diligently. Safety is a core tenet of Nate. And so we, we are not dismissing potential safety concerns. But what we are saying is we believe that, you know, with all that money being spent on Spectrum, that the industry, our wireless industry, has made every effort to, to make concessions here throughout that debate. And, um, you know, we think that, that it can be deployed safely if, if you read the the news articles there you know 40 other countries are are utilizing that spectrum safely and so you know we'll continue to work with the aviation community uh but at the end of the day the reason Nate weighs in on spectrum issues Shane is with spectrum is invisible airwaves and it takes someone to turn those airwaves into connectivity you know you have to deploy the new equipment on the towers and that's what our members do. And like Commissioner Brennan Carr likes to say, you know, it's it's not just magic or pixie dust that makes that happen. There's there's contractor companies. These are America's small businesses. These are technicians, the men and women who do that. And so we kind of we kind of transform those airwaves into connectivity. And so we want the the spectrum deployed. And we know the carriers do because they're they're the major customers in the industry and they spent billions on it. And it's 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 important to to continue to scale 5G as we talked about earlier. Speaking of safety, did you make Brendan Carr do any sort of evaluation before people started letting him climb on these towers? I get very worried about that. 
<laughs> you know, to his credit, Shane, uh, Commissioner Carr has gone through an actual uh, uh, authorized climber and rescue certification. Wow. He loves it so much. And um, our running joke with Nate is he's raising the bar so much that any future nominee for the FCC, you know, that's going to be a, uh, a litmus test if they can climb a tower. I, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would not be one of them, <laughs> but I think that's awesome. And I think it's great the attention he's brought to all the people that work in your industry because it's, it is, you know, it's what makes it all go. And I, I really appreciate that he has, you know, he brought you guys to my attention. And since then I've been fascinated watching what you're talking about and your earlier point, I am a, you know, I used to work at the department of transportation a long time ago. I love flying. I in no way want to inhibit what is going on with the airlines, but I do think that not wanting to upgrade your, 30-year-old altimeters, you know, the rest of us really like new technology. We should probably find our way to make sure that we're using the best, newest technology when it comes to aviation as well. So just a, a side thought on that. Um, so t- tell us a little more about the training programs that you run. Yeah, it, it's uh, training is, is paramount in our industry, as you can imagine, uh, Shane, you know, when a lot of the work is done at elevation, you know, so what Nate does we create a lot of the training standards and then we have approximately 34 private training companies are members of Nate. And so a lot of the training right now in the industry, because these businesses are so small happens at the employer level. So they'll either have a third party private training company come train their men and women, or they'll, they'll get someone certified and they'll have their own in-house trainer. And so that has been how the industry is operated. Now there's a couple, uh, areas of training that are growing in momentum, which will be a good thing for the industry. Number one, we're starting to make some inroads into getting more training programs at your traditional community college, technical school level, career center level. And number two, there's an industry-specific apprenticeship program called TIRAP, Telecommunications Industry Registered Apprenticeship Program. Those two pathways in particular are gaining um, uh, influence and traction. And it's important if we're going to move the needle on on the workforce needs that, that the industry needs. With all this funding that we've talked about flowing into the industry, it's all good. But guess what? You need the manpower behind it to, to accomplish your goals, whether it's scaling 5G or closing the digital divide, the things we as an industry talk about all the time, Shane. You got to have the, the men and women behind it who are skilled and capable to, to deploy and, and do it safely. And so we're focused heavily and we can get into a little bit, some of the community college programs that we we've had success with, and that's a model that we want to emulate um, nationally. So I know um, Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College was highlighted at the dinner where you and I met, and it sounded like a really interesting program. So is that a model? And I know that there's the potential of you possibly getting some federal funding to you know, help deploy this across more states. Am I Did I understand that all correctly? Yeah. In the case of Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, Commissioner Carr visited the college. They have not launched their program yet. They're still in the kind of the inception formulation stage. But I would like to highlight, Shane, Nate has worked very closely over the last year with the state of Ohio, and they are really uh, shining a spotlight on on what we can do here. Um, They are 
they just announced Lieutenant Governor John Husted in the state of Ohio, they are going to use Nate's uh, Tower Tech One curriculum at three community colleges. And they're going to launch these programs this later this spring, their pilot cohort programs. And these are 12 week programs that prepare a, a, a student to get the industry uh, tower training worker credential called the NWSA. And then they'll be employable or they can apply the, these credits to a future associate's degree at those schools. So the reason it's important and, and the reason I want to highlight Ohio here, Shane, is they are being very innovative with their funding mechanisms. They're using kind of a combination of the CARES Act funding, which is a gear funds that which is part of the initial COVID money that came to the state using some state monies. And each of those three community colleges that I referenced in the state of Ohio are receiving $200,000 in, in seed funding um, from the state. And again, it's a combination of federal and state funds to, to get these programs off the ground. And so they are using uh, Nate's endorsed curriculum that was created by our subject matter experts for these 12-week programs. And so Ohio is kind of the model that we're going to try to replicate uh, around the country moving forward. And why is that important? A lot of people don't know about our industry, Shane. I mean, it's if if you drive, you and I drive by towers all the time. When you go visit your 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 home state in Nebraska, you know, before I started this job, these towers were subliminal. I I drive by interstates and roads and don't notice them, but now my mind is warped and I notice them. But you you know, people don't obviously think about our industry as a career. And there's there's true career pathways here. We like to say it, Nate, you, it's one of the only industries you start at the top, you work your way down and you get promoted along the way and, and climb up the ladder. So it's, it's exciting to see what's, what's being done in the industry, but there's more work to be done and, and there's more needs for sure. Literally climbing up the ladder. Um, so a, a couple of thoughts for you on that. One is I love the state of Ohio. They are so good at being innovative. They're fantastic on digital. They're a huge proponent of blockchain. So glad to hear that they're also feeling that way about um, training programs, especially on something like this. $200,000 in today's parlance of the money that we're talking about in Washington just doesn't seem like that much. seems like you should be able to get more than that, especially when it's what we need for the fabric of this whole broadband program to work. So I am, I'm, I'm a big, I'm going to be cheerleading you guys to be getting more money. I think that's, and I'm, and I'm pretty fiscally conservative, but I think we're talking 40, what, 2 billion going to NTIA. I hope that Nate gets some of that. So you have a, a, a national show coming up in Las Vegas in February. So what will you guys be focusing on there? Yeah. Nate Unite uh, 2022 will be taking place February 21st to 24th in Las Vegas. Shane, we're pretty excited. Uh, we have uh, DISH chairman and co-founder Charlie Ergen and FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr are going to do a keynote Q&A. And it, the timing couldn't be better because DISH, of course, has has pegged Las Vegas as its first 5G market. And they're, they've been doing beta testing for quite some time. And in the first quarter here of this year, they are, are anticipating lighting up their 5G service in Vegas. So the timing's perfect. And of course, when you have when you represent all these small business contractor firms, you know, anytime a new carrier, a major customer like this comes into the industry, you know, that that's a major 
point of interest because the, these they'll be talking directly to future uh, companies who are going to help them build out their network, not only in Las Vegas and Nevada, but but statewide. So that's going to be a major headline of our show. But, you know, our show and our hallmark of our show is our, our educational session contents and our trade show. We have a very vibrant trade show floor. Um, and and really one of the more exciting uh, aspects of this show is we are going to have a world premiere of a, a vertical freedom, which is our uh, feature length movie that we produced over the last 24 months with uh, story built media, a movie production firm. And uh, this is going to be the real deal. I mean, we're going to debut it in Las Vegas. And then after that, we're, we're going to hire an entertainment sales agency to start shopping it to the streaming platforms, the film festivals. And it really is going to tell the story of six technicians around the country uh, of different diverse backgrounds, different parts of the country. They do different work in the industry. But these camera crews from StoryBuilt followed these, these technicians around and were embedded with their, their crews both on and off the job for the better part of the last year, Shane. And so we're really going to tell that story uh, professionally, personally. And uh, it's really going to, uh, I think, help the industry. It's going to elevate the uh, what, what what I talked about earlier, not people not knowing about the, the career. And I think our target audience for this is mainstream America. We want them to see this film and say, hey, that could be a option for, for my son or daughter. That could be, uh, hey, that I'm thinking about a career change. Maybe I'd like to do that. And so it's exciting because we think it has the potential uh, to really hit the big stage. And when I, when I mean big stage, I mean one of the major streaming platforms based on the initial feedback we've, we've received. So Vertical Freedom is the name of this movie. It's going to have its world premiere in Vegas. And then we'll see where it goes from there. But I'm guessing that your your listeners will be able to see it or access it on one of the more prominent platforms sometime later in 22 or 23. And you guys have a clip of that on your website, right? You have a preview. I've seen that. It's great. It looks like a really good show. And as somebody who I think subscribes to every over the top <laughs> subscription that there is, I'm, I'm sure I'll be able to see it, but I look forward to seeing the long form because just the few minutes that I've seen yeah. look really amazing. Well, I want to wish you lots of luck with uh, what you've got in front of you, with your show, with, with, you know, this, this, this potential movie, you know, see, maybe we'll seeing you next at one of the uh, South by Southwest or you know, one of those fun places, but it's been great to hear about what you guys are up to. Thank you for all the work that you and your colleagues and the people at Nate do because of that, we are able to stay connected and it's just really important. So I really appreciate you being a guest today on Explain to Shane. Thank you for the opportunity to, to visit Shane. Appreciate what you do with your podcast and, and at AEI. So have a great 2022 and uh, look forward to chatting again soon. Fantastic. Thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode of Explain to Shane. For more episodes, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your preferred listening platform. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and tell your friends and colleagues to tune in. We'll see you on the next episode of Explain to Shane.